New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks. Kiwi, welcome in. Happy New Year to you and yours. Happy New Year to you also. I heard Ty, I told Ty in text, hey, I will say Happy New Year all the way through March if I haven't heard from you yet. <laughs> he didn't agree with that. <laughs> I, I, I'm that guy. Hey, how you been? Happy New Year. I will say it all the way up until my birthday if I haven't heard from you yet. So you so you go all the way through March. So what are you an Aries then? Is that an Aries? I'm a Pisces, early March, March. Pisces. Okay, yeah. okay. Um mm-hmm. so I, I follow you on social media. I saw your uh I, I saw your your photos from New Year's. Um mm-hmm. looks like you had a great time. Absolutely. I had a good time. I'm in Florida, so it's easier. So you can sneak away to, you know, islands and get back pretty quickly. But um, you know, I, I did New Year's with my family and then my girlfriend and I made it to the island to just bring in the new year and just you know, just have fun, man. Like 2021. What, was, what I what what island did just you go the, to? The Bahamas. We're just in the, in the Bahamas. Okay. Nothing too. Did serious. you go to? You went? Did you go to the Ocean Club over there? Atlantis. Yeah. 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 Fun, fun, a beautiful place. Um, really fun. And as far as like you know, the big resorts go. Usually, like you know, they're they're too packed. But right now, it's it's pretty it's it's pretty open. Um, you know, did everybody. You, did you stay in Mike? Yeah. Did you stay in Michael Jordan's? Um, no, nah. the, the one the one that connects the two buildings. No, 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 no. <laughs> none, of, none of that, none of that. Just, just a little trip. We'll get there. Um, so, 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 as you know, I'm from Miami. I, I grew up mm-hmm. down there. I, 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 my, I started radio down there uh, with Stu Gotts and I, and um, and the year that they opened up their sports book, the Pegasus. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had they would they would fly me down there on fr- like mm-hmm. one month one one week in a month they would fly me and three of three of my guests down there i would do the friday show live from their uh sports book the pegasus and they would put sure. me and three of my friends up for free for the weekend robert half research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring if you have open roles chances are you're feeling this too that's why you need robert half Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Not bad. One one week in a month. I know, I know, I know, I know. That's... (laughs) Yeah, the the perks the perks of living down there in South Florida. So anyway, uh, you and your girlfriend, beautiful photos. Um, again, uh, happy New Year to you and yours, and for all our listeners out there as well. Uh, hopefully, only bigger and better, especially for both the Giants and the Jets for twenty twenty two. Absolutely, Kiwi, we got we got to have some optimism. We got to have one of the things I thought about is like, what if everything does work out? You know, we can sit here and be like real pessimistic, and you know, obviously twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one were rough years, but you know, looking forward to twenty twenty two. Like, what if the best case scenarios work out? You know, you don't want to go through the whole year, you know, in a, in a negative mindset and then be surprised at the end that something positive happens. So like, let's, let's, let's get it, you know, like, let's, let's have that optimism. Let's, let's go into the new year thinking and believing in ourselves and that, you know, it's going to be a better year. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Let's and I, I love the I love the optimism for sure. Again, Matthias Kiwanuka joining us. Let's kick it off with Bucks and and Jets as uh, we've got Rich Samini who's going to be joining us in about 25 minutes. Um, you know, a few things. Number one, so Bruce Arians unfortunately contracted COVID 19 this week, but was able to get cleared. Mm-hmm. So reports are is that he is going to be on the sideline today. So he will be out there coaching. Um, you know, th- this is ha- this has happened quite frequently in, in the NFL this season because of COVID-19. And I-, I never really asked you this, Kiwi. Like, have you ever have you ever, were you ever in a situation where you had to take the field and play without your head coach that, um, that, on the that's sideline? Something, that's something that yeah, that's something that I feel is not mentioned enough. Like when we talk about COVID, we can talk about like, oh yeah, so and so got COVID or this and that. But there are so many different things. Like just um 
for instance, like going into the Giants facility and seeing them having to do meetings in the bubble, like social distance and, and knowing that they're going to be doing some meetings remotely, like you don't get the same feel for the game, uh, you know, doing something remotely, like some things you can do, you can do radio remotely, you can do a lot of things remotely, but there's some things that just require that physical presence, right? So um, no, I, I think Coughlin... This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. What happened? He, he tore his hamstring. He got rolled up on the sidelines, and he... he pulled a hammy, but he was still up there in front leading the meetings, you know, and, and everything. So we never had, um, uh, at least not an unexpected time when all of a sudden the coach was just missing. If it happened, it was, you know, there was a family incident and maybe, you know, we lost a um, position coach or a coordinator for a day or two, but a lot of times those guys would just pop up on the road and be like, Hey guys, I'm, I'm here. You know? So there was always, um, that same continuity. Like nowadays with, with COVID, I think all these coaches and all these players, you know, historically need to be looked at a little bit differently for what they're dealing with right now, because the uncertainty of who you're going to have available is such that it, it's got to be um, very difficult for a coordinator to put together a game plan. And then for a young player to get adjusted to, um, you know, playing and hearing different voices, having that same voice in front of you week in and week out does mean something. I'm sure. So, uh, you know, yeah. again, Bruce Arians contracted COVID-19. Thank God he's healthy. He's okay. Uh, he passed COVID protocols, so he will be on the sideline. But maybe I've buried the lead here, uh, Kiwi, and that is Todd Bowles will be back on the sideline. And as we know, he is the Tampa Bay Bucks defensive coordinator. And, uh, you know, the, the, the ending did not happen <laughs> very well here for Todd Bowles. <laughs> And, and the Jets, now he gets this top defense, um, I want to say number one blitz rate defense in the NFL, and he's able to tee that blitz, that that defense, that, that number, insane number defense two, number up two against, uh, right, right, number two blitz rate, there you go, and it gets yeah, to right tee that up here. against Zach Wilson today. You know, mm -hmm. talk, talk about, you know, I'm sure you've had coaches on your staff, coordinators on your staff who've gone up against former teams, is it a little added juice today for Todd Bowles? What, what do you, how do you think that scenario is going to play out? I, th I think for the players who know him, the players who like really feel connected to him and bonded to him, they're going to know it. You know, you, you just, you get it. I don't think he's going to stand up there. I know he's, I know him. he's not going to stand up there and say, Hey guys, I really want to do that. But it's going to be an unwritten rule. It's going to be unspoken around that room you know, for the guys who are really connected to him, like, hey, let's go out there and let's put up some extraordinary numbers for him because of the situation and, and what it's going to mean to him. So you always you always know the good ones, the great ones, they're always going to make it about the game. They're going to make it about the season and what the goal is, which is a championship. But, you know, to a man individually for a guy who he has a, a good, strong relationship with, a veteran guy, he's going to be like, yo, I really want to get these these MFers, you know what I mean? Like, I really, I really want this one. So there's going to be a little bit of added juice in there. I've always said, you know, we, we talk about, um, you know, coaching and being a coordinator, you're dealing with X's and O's. You're dealing with uh, creating a good game plan. You can kind of go in your, your booth and, and just zone out and put together a great game plan, come out as long as you can communicate it effectively, or you have guys in place at the position coach level who can communicate that effectively then you're going to be good. When you get to the head coach role, you have to deal with personalities. You have to deal. You're, you're, you're like, you're a teacher, you're a therapist, you're a counselor. You, there's so many different roles that, that go into it. So you have to respect head coaches and, and the job that they do. But, you know, for a lot of guys, you know, it's just, it's just a lot easier to be in that coordinator role and they can shine and they can, and they can do well and they can win multiple championships in that way. So 
um, there's there's no there's no there's no there's no disrespect. If you don't make it as a head coach, I don't think that necessarily means that you're not you know good at football. I just think it means that you know there's a lot of hats that you have to wear. So um, for for them coming back in, I think the guys who who know him are going to want to play a little bit extra hard and and make sure that um, something that he's been working on schematically is gonna is gonna shine and gonna work. 800-919-3776. Kiwi, we've got quite a few calls on. Let's get to them. Let's go to Ira in Staten Island. He's getting ready to head out to the game. Ira, you're, take, you're, you're taking in the Jets game today against uh, the Bucks. Absolutely. I wouldn't miss it in the world, you know. And uh, you know what? Uh, unfortunately, it's the last home game. But you know what? The weather is what it is. We'll deal with it. Happy New Year to both of you. Enjoyed the show all year. I know we got the game coming up next week. Listen, you know. I, I really like Todd a lot. Great guy. You know, unfortunately, it didn't work out in New York. And, you know, he's too much of a gentleman to say anything publicly or to the press. But he's going to come in here with a chip on his shoulder. And he's going to give Zach quite an education. And I just hope whatever happens with Zach today, ho- hopefully, I don't even think it's going to be competitive, but if they can keep it competitive and if Zach can go out there and limit his mistakes and look, you know, somewhat, you know, under control, taking a step forward, I'd be pleased. I would expect a couple of multiple turnovers by him today just because of the situation. But at the end of the day, it's all part of the learning process. It's all part of maturing and growing. And hopefully whatever learn, lessons he learns today will be able to take it this year and make him a better player for next year. Well said, Ira. Well Very said. well said. Yeah, thank you. I, I'll take that. I think it, it's – you want to see improvement at this point. It's frustrating. It's been a frustrating season for New York football fans, Jets, Giants combined, right? But when you watch the games at this point of the season, you just you want to see some improvement. You want to see something that is going to set this team up to perform better next year. So I think quarterback play is of the most importance, right? Um, for Zach Wilson, it's can he control the ball? Can he control the game? Throw the ball away when you need to. Get the ball out of your hands. Don't make. Don't try too hard to make the spectacular play and put your team in a disadvantaged situation. So I, I, I agree with them. You know, you you want to see some type of improvement. Once you take your emotions out of it, and you're like, all right, you know what? Wasn't our year. Now let's start planning for next year. What can we do? I would like to see him um, perform just calm under pressure. He's going to get blitzed. I get it. There's going to be there's going to be times where you know it's going to look like a jailbreak. I get it. How is he going to control the game when that happens? That's what I'm looking for. New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks. You know it's Tom Brady. It's the Bucks. Uh, you know they're they've they've already made it to the postseason, but they're trying to compete to try to still win that number one seed. Uh, or at least better their situation uh, in uh, in the NFC so that at least they will host uh, a game or two in the postseason. So uh, there, there's motivation here for them to come in and, and, and win this game. And we just talked about, I'm sure, personal motivation. Not only, by the way, not only for uh, for Todd Bowles, but... You know, it's not, you know, Tom Brady has owned the Jets. I don't, I don't know if there's like warm and fuzzies from from Tom Brady about this organization either. So with that being said, what are your give me your three keys to the game that at least maybe gives the Jets a chance to like listen, it's it's they're there, double digit favored. They're they're favored by 14 points. Give me give me your keys to the game that at least keeps the Jets uh mm-hmm. for covering the spread. How about that? There listen, there's there's always a chance. I always say this, like the the talent gap in the NFL is not so extreme that there's never a chance, right? And and guys hate to lose. So like if the Jets come out, if Zach Wilson plays a, a good enough game in the beginning, you know, from the first and second quarter to, you know, put some points up on the board and keep it close, then boom, now they're in a surprise situation. Now the Bucks are going to have to do some things like, all right, all right guys, like let's, let's regroup and, and let's figure things out. Right. So quarterback play is of the utmost importance. He cannot be throwing the ball away. He cannot be, you know, avoiding a sack and then throwing it up in the air. I think those are things that you want to see from um, quarterback play going forward to show that he's going to, you know, progress in the right direction in general. So not just this game, but, but going forward, he's got to protect the ball, um, you know, make the smart play is what I had down and then run the ball, keep the time of possession. The Bucks offense is, is number one in passing yards, number two in total yards, and the Jets' defense is 28th in passing yards and 32nd in, in overall yards. So 
it's not in their favor for them to have the ball. Um, so the offense is going to have to try to control the clock. What's the best way to do that? You run the ball as best you can, right? On the defensive side of the ball, all right, we just gave you your numbers. You're not a great defense. It is what it is, right? So how can you beat a team like this? Tom Brady is, I put him in that category. Obviously, you don't, but like greatest ever conversation, right? And I played against some of some really great quarterbacks, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, um, in particular, the pocket passers who identify what is going on at the line of scrimmage, make adjustments and changes, and then beat you with their throw. And if the pass isn't there, they're just going to throw it away. These guys are not trying to run the ball. You know, there's other players who are great who I played against, Michael Vick, Russell Wilson, Tony Romo. Those guys are good at identifying what defense you're in, but they can escape the pocket, extend the play, and then that's where they're going to beat you. So when you're playing a guy um, – you know, like Tom Brady or anybody who's in that, like a pocket passer who's trying to identify it, you know, the best way, the easiest way is to hit him. If you can get to him, you can disrupt his rhythm and you can change the the entire dynamic of the game. If you can't, then what you need to do is you need to play extremely tight in your coverage. You're not going to disguise you know, 11 guys on the field, especially a bunch of young guys. You're not going to go out there and trick Tom Brady into thinking you're playing a different coverage than what you are. What you can do, though, is play extremely tight in your coverage so that the window that he's throwing into is tighter than what he thinks it is. So basically focus on your man, focus on your zone, focus on how deep exactly you're supposed to be in your zone and focus on how close to the man that you have you're supposed to be when you're in man coverage. And that's it. Don't worry so much about distracting. Just worry about playing the coverage that you're supposed to play as best as you can. If you have to cheat, cheat, you know, prior to the snap, because he's going to be able to identify that. After that, make big plays. You know, they're going to have to take chances, take risks. Like it's not it's not a, a throw caution to the wind, you know, go outside of the defense type thing. But if you believe that you can get in there, taking an under, un, underneath move as a defensive end or, or outside linebacker, go take it. You know, this is this is your chance. Like, take your shot, shoot your shot and and be confident in yourself and try to get a turnover. Like that is probably going to be the best way to put them. Um, in some unexpected situations. So offensively and defensively, I think they're very different. Offensively, they have to be as conservative as possible. And defensively, they have to be as risky, you know, um, uh, risk-taking as possible and, and try to get those plays. And this has been uh, Kiwi's Keys to the Game, uh, brought to you by Bud Light. That's right, for the fans on game day. All right, let's go into our phone lines, 800-919-3776. Let's go to Emmanuel calling in from Flushing. Emmanuel, welcome in. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you guys. Um, listen, I just read this. I just sort of saw a, a notification from my phone about Pete Kyle, Russell Wilson. Do you think both of them will return next year or one of them will, will be in Seattle next year? What What is the notification? What is the notification? This could, be, this could be that Russell Wilson and Pete Kyle will not return together next year. What do you guys – do you guys think yeah. personally will you – Yeah, I, I mean, Emmanuel, thanks – Thanks for the phone call. Appreciate it. Um, you know, Matthias, not sure if you're staying on top of, you know, all that's going on in Seattle, but like, I, I think that ship has sailed. Like, I, I think yeah. it's run its course, right? Like, I, I agree I with think- you. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think we get into this day and age where we think like, you know, especially a quarterback who's made his name in a city has to stay there throughout his career and struggle and suffer. But sometimes just a change of scenery, a change in philosophy or a change in environment can revive somebody's career. So if if he feels, if Russell Wilson specifically feels as though it's time for him to go, let him go and, and let him enjoy the rest of the years that he has left in the league. For Pete Carroll, I know he's getting up there in age. He, he's going to go down as, you know, one of the winningest, coach, like a, a great coach. Um, but there comes a time when your message just doesn't get across and, you can talk about injuries or you can talk about uh, whatever it is, but the great coaches find ways to overcome, you know, and um, it comes a point when it's just not happening anymore. So if this is time for him to exit the league, that's fine. Also, like we have to get away from this sense that, you know, the guy is, is married forever to one team because that's how we know him. We know him in a Seahawks. Jersey. Okay. Well we can know him in another Jersey and he can go and win a championship and ride off into the sunset there too. That's nothing wrong with that. 
800-919-3776. Uh, we've got two more calls. They want to talk fantasy. Let's get them in really quick before we do move on to Rich Samini. Uh, I know you don't play fantasy, uh, Kiwi, but this is this is championship week. It's week 17. This is. And I, I know you play 12 leagues. I was going to ask you, out of those 12 leagues, how many of them are you in the championship in that you're not the commissioner? So, so out of the 12, I made it to the postseason in seven. I had a first-round mm-hmm. bye in four of those seven, and I'm playing for a championship in three. So nice. out of the 12, I'm playing for a championship today in three. One, a big money league. Another, a bragging rights league with uh, Michael Fabiano. And the other one was, uh, I commissioned a league for some of my best friends. So um, like there's, bragging, there's bragging rights there too. I like, anyway, it. Let's, let's, I like it. Let's take these calls real quick. And then, of course, we'll, we'll bring in Rich Samini. Let's go to Brandon in Hastings. Brandon, you're up. Hi, Anita. So th- this is a good problem to have, but I got to get your opinion. So I have uh, to start three of these five running backs. So I have Kamara, Eckler, Ronald Jones, Penny, and Scott. Which three of those five are you starting today? Yeah, I mean, obviously you're going to go with your top two. And like I said, if Jordan Howard is out and I'm, I'm, I'm communicating with a, fo- a few of the folks down there in Philadelphia, it doesn't look like he's going to go today. So if that's the case and Howard is out, I love Boston Scott. I mean, Kiwi, that Washington football team, their defense has to be one of the most disappointing uh, storylines this year in the NFL. I thought Washington was going to come in, have uh, possibly top three, top five defense in the NFL. Now, man, they're just, (laughs) you could run on them. You could pass on them. I I mean, they're just, and, and granted, a lot of it has to do with COVID. I understand all that. But uh, again, just one of the worst units in the NFL right now. So it, it's if it's just Boston Scott back there, man, what he can do in the rushing attack as well as the passing game against that Washington defense, uh, to me, that'd be a f- fantastic flex play. Um, let's go to Eric in Oakland. Eric, you're up. Happy New Year, Anita. Thank you. Same to you. Thank you. All right. I'm in the championship. Obviously, you, you helped to get me here. I need a, I got a flex question for you. I could choose from Jeff Wilson, A.J. Dillon, Austin Scott, Jordan Howard. Yeah. So obviously you're, obviously you're only going to go with one or the other, Boston Scott or Jordan Howard. Again, everything I'm hearing is Howard is going to be inactive. So I think you're going to get a heavy dose of Boston Scott. Um. So, and, and so you, you just need okay. one, right, Eric? I just need one. What if Howard winds up playing? Um, oh, AJ Dillon. Yeah, AJ I, I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't. And, and Eric, thanks for the phone call, Kiwi. I would still play Boston Scott. <laughs> you know, because Howard. You know, let's let's do this. T- tell me how bad is this, how how bad is a stinger when you haven't been able to practice a stinger in your neck when you haven't been able to practice all week realistically what can a running back do if he suffered a real bad stinger and he has not been able to practice all week what are your thoughts on on that player kiwi a a stinger that's one of those words that can be used for a lot of different things that's kind of like oh i stubbed my toe did you stub your toe did you break your toe but it it could be um a stinger you know that you get in high school or it's like boom you know it hurts a little bit and you'll be fine but stingers come as a result of some um damage to your neck so we don't know how significant it is. I think if somebody's sitting out because of what they call a stinger, there might be some concerns that it's something um, a little bit more significant than that. So I'd watch out for that. There you go. So I, again, I don't anticipate Jordan Howard to be active as I like to call it, maybe active, unactive and unattractive. So I think it's going to be a heavy dose of Boston Scott. And hopefully that's the case for you and a number of us out there. New York game day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka and Anita Marks. Rich Samini. Rich, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Happy New Year to you and your family. Thank you, Anita. Happy New Year to you and Kiwi. Glad to Happy be New here. Happy New Year. Week, so, week 17. Wow. I know. Wow. I know. Weeks. Can you believe it? Uh, it's it's flown by. I feel like we say that each and every year, though. Uh, but uh, but all right, so let, let's start with this matchup. And I think one thing that's really interesting here is uh, Tom Brady could be Zach Wilson's father. You're talking about, you know, a man who's 44 years old and a younger man who's 22. Um, ha, I'm, I'm curious. Has, has there ever in the history of the NFL been this much of a discrepancy in regard to starting quarterbacks age? There has not. So actually, we're going to be witnessing a little bit of history today. Wow. Just a quick background. Obviously, they were born on the same day, August 3rd, and you were right, 22 years apart. So Brady was actually getting ready for his senior year at Michigan 
when Wilson was born. And it is the widest age gap uh, between two uh, starting quarterbacks facing each other since at least 1950. I don't think the records, you know, we couldn't go back any further. But since, So you're talking 70-something years. Now, I should note, earlier in the year, uh, when Justin Fields faced Brady, at that time, that was the record. But uh, Wilson is actually three or four months younger than, uh, than Justin Fields. So today is the largest gap between two quarterbacks. Do you think that that would have an effect on Tom Brady? Do you think that he would feel in any kind of way responsible for helping the younger generation get better? And is that a um, situation or relationship that Wilson could capitalize on in terms of not in the game, but like staying in touch with him afterwards and maybe exchanging numbers and, and getting some, some, um, some information out of him? Well, you know, it's interesting you mentioned that, Kiwi, because the other day, you know, we were talking to, to, to Wilson about Brady's longevity. And he mentioned, he, I think his exact words were, you know, Brady's career basically inspires guys like me to want to keep doing it. So they don't know each other. I mean, obviously, he's watched a lot of Brady tape, you know, growing up. And even now, he said, during the season, if they're, he'll pop in some Brady. If they're facing a team with a common opponent, you know, he'll pop in a, a Brady tape just to see how he faced a certain defense. And I don't think they're going to develop a relationship just, just because of the age gap. Like, like Anita said, it, it could be father and son. But, uh, you know, it's something I think all young quarterbacks look toward. And I think the one thing, and, and Robert Sala mentioned this, as well as some of the other coaches this week, Brady's uh, career, just in terms of being an overachiever, a late draft pick, I, you know, working you know, the work ethic, I think that also sets an example for a lot of these young players. And I think the Jets... It's going to be fascinating. It's the youngest defense in the league against the oldest quarterback, so it'll be an interesting matchup. I'm sure, and you talk about the defense, and, and Kiwi and I talked about it earlier. I, I think this is a storyline that hasn't been discussed enough, Rich, and that is Todd Bowles coming back to town with a, a defense, is, as Kiwi pointed out, second highest blitz rate in the NFL, going up against Zach Wilson. And if you can, kind of share with us, you know, who's, who's going to be playing offensive line today? So that's that that if I'm Zach Wilson, that's yeah. that's that's a that's a scary situation right there. Yeah, Todd, uh, of course, back in New York, Jersey, whatever. Uh, he loves to blitz. The Jets faced a heavy blitzing team a couple of weeks ago, uh, Miami, and they handled it for a half, and then and everything collapsed in the second half. But you make a good point about the offensive line because they're going to have a new center today. Dan Feeney is going to make his first start at center. Connor McGovern is out the last couple of games. He's got a sprained MCL. And I don't think that's been getting enough attention because McGovern, he played every snap this year, which is a rarity on the Jets, and until he got hurt last week. And he was, you know, like most centers, he's the, the organizer. He's the traffic cop, gets mm -hmm. guys in the right protections and so forth. And so now all of a sudden you have a new voice in there, a new, a new set of eyes trying to, you know, diagnose these blitzes and make pre-snap reads and help the rookie quarterback. So that is big today. This is probably the last game you'd want to lose your center for because you are going to face a defense that is going to bring the heat. But it should be noted that Bowles will be without two of his edge rushers, JPP and Shaq Barrett. But, you know, Bowles, he's going to – he'll just keep blitzing no matter who's out there. That's funny. I'm, I'm glad you pointed that out. I think – um, you know, centers, middle linebackers alike, they, they don't get enough credit for how cerebral that position is and how much responsibility they take. Like when you have a great quarterback, it takes some of the pressure off of the center, but um, especially for a guy who's who's working with a, a young quarterback, like he's probably had to adjust and and make some calls that probably shouldn't be his responsibility and, and whatnot. So I appreciate you pointing that out. One thing I, I did want to ask you about, I saw you tweeted um, – or retweeted something about Morgan Moses, right? And how he said he hears a chatter about being bad, but he doesn't feel it. When I when I look or when I talk to you know my you know, my 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 network, right, guys who I used to play with or who used to play in the NFL, like Robert Salah is somebody that comes up as a coach everybody would want to play for. So my question to you is is what Morgan Moses said, is that the general feeling in the locker room? Are they really not concerned about their record? Are they really just going in and, and playing and enjoying playing for him? Um, is, that, is that the sense that you get? Yeah, it's an interesting point. Um, I, I think it 
I think what Morgan was saying, and you pretty much quoted him accurately, he just basically said the other day when he was playing in Washington or, or, or being a, a free agent, you know, the word, he, you know, the chatter he always heard were that the Jets were a bad organization. And mm-hmm. so that speaks to not only record, but culture. And so what he's saying is that since he's been here and he signed in June, he hasn't felt that, he hasn't seen that despite bad records. So I think that speaks positively to what Robert Sala has been able to get done. I don't sense the gloom and doom. I mean, look, there's different kinds of bad records. Last year, the Jets had a bad record, and you just felt the gloom and doom. I mean, you just knew there were going to be changes. The coach was going to get fired. No one really liked playing for that coach. This year, the record's bad, but you don't sense that woe is us, and here we go again. You do sense that there's sparks of optimism and hope for the future. So it's a, it's a different atmosphere. So what they have to do in the offseason is just bring in more good players and try to capitalize on that. And it's going to be hard. You know, you can't flip a culture in one offseason. I was speaking to an agent the other day who represents a lot of head coaches. And, you know, evidently this coach, I mean, his agent told me, he goes, I'd never send one of my clients to the Jets just because of what the organization's been through and upper management and blah, blah, blah. So there's an example of a guy who's still a skeptic skeptic in terms of the Jets culture. So it's a work in progress, but I think it's moving in the right direction. I think he, he's probably a skeptic. I, I don't know who you're talking about. I don't know him, but he's probably a skeptic because of um, historically what has come out of that organization. But I do genuinely feel like after watching this season and watching the reaction from the players and listening to them in press conferences, that it, it does seem like there's a little bit of a, of a change there. Yeah, they're not a good team. They they're a very young team. They make mistakes. You know they 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 have had you know substantial injuries and and whatnot. But in terms of what is being said and the effort with which they're playing, it seems as though they are bought in. And I do believe that credit has to be given to that coaching staff. And if they are able to correct the the issues and get the right pieces in place, I do feel like there is an opportunity for them. No one would have thought we would be talking about the Miami Dolphins making a playoff run at this point, but here, you know, here we are. So there, there is an opportunity. I think, um, you know, when you, when you watch, you know, players, their behavior, their body language when they're sitting up there at the podium, it, it says something about the environment that they're put in on a daily basis. You can't fake that. You can't get up there and say positive things about your team when you're losing if you don't believe in the organization, if you don't believe that the right people are are leading that organization. And to me, it seems like there is a general feeling that this is a good situation. They just haven't gotten it done yet. Yeah, and ultimately... Yeah, it's a bottom line business, and ultimately they're going to have to show it in the in the standings. You know, but you know, mm-hmm. for now, it's it's baby steps. You know, it's it's trying to establish a culture, and then next year they're going to have to win. You know, next year the honeymoon's over, and they're going to have to produce some W's. Uh, Rich, before we let you go, uh, what what are some of the young players uh, that maybe you know not so much the uh, Jet fan household names that we're going to see take the field today? Right, because we've been following the. Uh, many young players all year, like the Zach Wilsons and Michael Carters, but there's some other young players who, uh, who have a chance these last couple of weeks. I'm speaking mainly of like a guy like Elijah Riley, who comes back from that scary concussion a couple of weeks ago. He'll be in the starting lineup today. He's been playing okay at safety. I mean, they, they have openings at safety in the future, so maybe this is like an audition for him offensively. I mean, you got guys like Kenny Yaboa, the tight end, is going to get a chance to play today because their basic their tight end core is basically depleted. So a Kenny Yaboa is going to get to play. They have uh, going back to safety, Jason Pinnock, who was drafted as a corner in April, and now they switched him about a month ago to safety, and he played the whole game last week, and he did some decent things, and so I think he's going to get a chance to play today again. And and he's a big kid who you know is probably too big to play corner. And so he's going to get a chance to, to be a safety. So this, there are some auditions going on here for the last couple of weeks that I think are going to be interesting to watch. Rich, always great having you on. Thank you so much. Appreciate you again. Happy, uh, happy New Year to you and yours. Uh, enjoy the game this afternoon. Should be an interesting one. Same, same to you guys, and good luck on your fantasy championships. New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks. Time now to switch gears. Joining us is Jordan Renan, not to be confused with Bob Papa if you see him in person. Jordan, how you doing? Good. What's going on, guys? 
girls. Not much, not much. Today? Very good, very good. I saw I saw you posted that you had your finger on the pulse and that the Giants are going to beat the Bears. Let's start right there. What what do you um what do you see? What you, what are you hoping to see? What gives you the optimism this week that that we're going to come out with a win? Well, let's start with the fact that they're not playing this great high level of competition, right? This is <laughs> this game is going to be uh, the conditions of this game are geared to, I mean, it's freezing right now. I'm standing on, I'm about to jump in an Uber here. It is uh, 20 degrees, okay? It snowed yesterday. It's going to be windy. So, you know, the over-under this game is 36, all right? Uh, and, and that, you know what that is? In the, in the NFL, you usually don't get 36. Uh, so, this is really low. It's going to be, so this is their kind of game. Play defense, do just enough offensively. Uh, win a low-scoring game. This is kind of their formula. So I think, you know, Mike Glennon has played terribly when he started. He was going to start today. But, uh, you know, his track record isn't nearly as bad as he's played this year. So I think the, I think he has, I think he has, he has a, a better game uh, in his arsenal. And uh, it's only a matter of time before he plays it. Yeah, that, that makes sense. So talking about the quarterback play, for me, the Jake Fromm situation, and I just want to get your opinion on this one. The Jake Fromm situation bothered me because there was time and an understanding that there was an opportunity that he, or there was a chance that he was going to play. And then he ended up having to play, and it looked as though the Giants were not prepared. Is that how you saw it? Did you see as though they hadn't prepared enough for him to, uh, in the game plan for him to be successful, or do you think it was just poor quarterback play? I think, I mean, I tried to make this, uh, pretty well known like they didn't nobody he wasn't ready to play right in regards to we don't even know i mean this guy might not be an nfl quarterback that's a that's in the realm of you know range of outcomes for his career for sure i mean he was a, a late round pick he was sitting as a, a practice squad quarterback a few weeks ago it was it wasn't like he went in practice and played so great that they were like well we got to start this guy it was almost like all right we're starting him because it's just so bad otherwise, right? They, they weren't doing anything effectively. So I think it, this was always in the range of outcomes. This could be awful. Like, I, I mean, we, I went into that game thinking this was really going to go poorly. Because, I mean, you, you watch him in practice. You see what he, you know, what he is. Like, he's, he's not this overly talented skill set. There's, there's, you know, he's, he's on the smaller side. He doesn't have a great arm. I mean, it, that, that, was a, that was a tough spot for him. He's still with the team only a few weeks. Uh, and I think you saw, you know, what, what he is at this point of his career. And, and I think that's why you got the result you did. All right. Moving on, let's change gears. Um, I, I know I heard your podcast and I saw you threw some names out there for, you know, potential GM candidates. And um, I, I did hear you say that you don't believe that the Giants are going to be stuck in their ways in terms of, um, you know, hiring from within. So you had mentioned Ryan Poles. Right. Any, are there any other names or um, what do you think? Yeah, that, that should be a guy you know, right, Keely? I know that, that's why. Let's be honest. That's why. That's why it, it, it struck with me. I, I've I've been in contact with him. I spoke with him. I think that you know there there are two guys um, you know that I know from from my time at BC, Ryan Poles and Dewan Daniels, both of whom I think are in really good positions to to lead an organization. So I just wanted to get, you know, your take on what Ryan Poles would do for the Giants or, or why um, you think his name should be mentioned. I mean, he has a good reputation. He's very well respected uh, on the personnel side, uh, you know, to be a good communicator from what, from what I've been told. And uh, so it, and he's someone that has, I know has caught the Giants attention. I mean, uh, so, you know, he, he should get, an opportunity to interview for this job. And, uh, you know, when, once you get in that room, you bring a vision and, you know, he comes from an organization where he's seeing a path to success there. Right. I mean, what they're doing in Kansas city has been working. Now, granted you have to mm -hmm. try Patrick Mahomes to start and then that'll help. Right. But, mm -hmm. but, uh, I mean, I don't think anyone's going to argue with their success the last few years of filling in roster spots or building, building around, uh, you know, a, a good young core that they have. And uh, Ryan Poles is, is uh, a guy I think that is going to get attention from the Giants. And I, and I know that they're interested in him. 
So that'll be interesting to see. Also, Joe Shane from Buffalo is a guy that I would keep my eyes on. Um, that's a guy that the Giants are interested in. There's also Ed Dodds is a guy that I know a lot of people talk about. He's from Indianapolis, uh, and he's like uh, Chris Ballard's right-hand man. And I had heard the Giants have interest in him. The question is whether Ed Dodds, is, that interest is reciprocated from his end. He's a guy who's known who hasn't jumped up, you know, isn't the guy who's dying and jumping at all opportunities to get a GM job. So there is some doubt whether he would be in the mix. I wouldn't be surprised to see Lewis Riddick in the mix as well. He's, a, he's you know, obviously from ESPN. He was the one outsider that was uh, part of the search last time. And I know the Giants organization thought highly of him then. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him in the mix as well. So it's not just Ryan Poles. There, there's some other candidates in there. But, uh, you know, guys with good backgrounds coming from good organizations for the most part. Uh, obviously, Lewis Riddick is, is on the media side. But uh, I think that's uh, where the Giants are looking right now. And, and Kevin Abrams also, we know. We've talked about I would, I would say, yeah, I would, I would say Riddick will, he will is on get the... an interview. Yeah, I would say Riddick is on Sorry. the. Um, I would say Riddick is on the um, the media side, but he's really been trying, in my opinion, trying to prove himself to get back into a front office, and he knows his stuff. He he, he understands and he knows football, um, and so I, I believe I, I I think you're right. You're right on track, and he's another guy that that should get a chance. Kevin Abrams, I knew him from being in that building. I understand what he brings to the table. I, I don't think that the Giants are going to be stuck in their and what everybody says stuck in their ways and trying to stay in house. But if there is a possibility that Abrams is the best candidate, then he should get an opportunity. I guess my next question to you no, is, I agree. do you think that the job in New York carries enough weight that even with the issues and the dysfunction that it is still attractive to the top candidates, because that's something that I've heard, you know, and we heard, you know, Canty had mentioned that he had spoken to somebody that, that said that they wouldn't come to New York, but do you think that this job still is valuable enough that the top candidates would consider it? Yeah. I mean, look, there's 32 of these jobs in the world, right? I mean, mm. This is this is a this is a not an easy job to get to be a general manager of an NFL team, and I know they they're in a bad spot, but this is still the New York Giants. I mean, they're in a big market. If they win, it's a big thing. Uh, you know, it's a big deal. Uh, there's just there's a lot of positives here. Now, you might have some work to do uh, to sort of um, you know clean up some of the what's going on inside the organization. Maybe too many, too many people are, are involved, too many voices, too many cooks in the kitchen is, is the phrase I, I like to use there. <laughs> but I mean, come on, this is, this is a good job. And like you said, if Kevin Abrams blows them away and they sit there and they're telling themselves, this is by far the best candidate. Now they have to weigh everything. They have to weigh in that the fans, there will be an uproar if Kevin Abrams gets that job. And this isn't anything to do with Kevin Abrams, right? It's not an indictment on him. It's the situation that he's in, right? He's built by association with everyone who's there. And look, to a degree, it's, it's somewhat warranted because he has to be involved in some of the decisions, right? So, uh, but if they think that's the move and that's the move they have to make, then that's, you know, I, I think that they would be strong enough to take it and say, look, this is the best candidate by far. We're going to hire this guy. But I, don't, I, see, I don't think that fan uproar is going to play a role. I feel like they would be confident enough to say, no, hands down, this is the best guy for the job. And then let it play out, you know, let let the, um, you know, let the games play and let's get some wins. Because if we look back two years from now, Kevin Abrams is a GM and we're in route to win a championship. Everybody's going to say, oh, yeah, that was a great decision. So it's really just about right. getting wins, isn't it? Isn't it really just about like, like people in New York just want the team to win? It's almost as though we all can have a voice in the decision making process, but we don't really care. We just want whoever's going to get us wins in there. What else has to be done to to get this team to be successful in the short term? Yeah, I mean, you're right. That's all that matters in the end is successful. There's been plenty of hires. People are sit there and they rant and rave. And that's a terrible hire, and guess what? In the end, the guy wins, <laughs> and all of a sudden, oh, well, that was a good move, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we said all along you got to do that. I mean, you know, I remember Tom Coughlin. Tom Coughlin was the guy. Everybody was sitting there saying, 
after a couple of years now, oh, we need to get rid of him. You know, it's hard on the players, blah, 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 this and that. And, and it happens. I mean, look, this is a tough business. It's just a win, win. Uh, it's a business where you have to win. It's a performance-based business. And, uh, you know, you, a, a good organization don't let fans dictate moves. Bad mm-hmm. organizations let fans mm-hmm. dictate moves. So if you have a conviction, you have to go with it regardless of what the outside noise says. And that's my, mm-hmm. I, I've always been adamant about that. Like that's what good organizations do. I, I agree with you hundred percent. And I think part of me, um, you know, might be influenced by the fact that when I got to New York, all the talk every, everywhere you go is when are they going to get rid of Eli? When are they going to get rid of Coughlin? And boom, we win a championship. Right. My second year and my third year sitting in those same restaurants, those same people were like, Hey, can you bring Eli with you? Can you hey man? Like, like I, you know, like, so you get it. Like I, I get it. I understand at the end of the day, it's really just about like, all right, like, like how, how are we going to win? You know, like how how are we going to get this team back to being successful? And it takes a certain type of of um, you know decision making skill, you know, to be able to to remove yourself from the chatter, you know, and from everything else to say this is the right person inside, outside. And so I do believe that that's what they are going to try to do. Um, I, I would like to see in these you know the, finishing out this season. Um, you know, some kind of decisiveness about what the offensive game plan is going to be. Now we're going back to the on the field uh, issues. What do you think needs to happen in terms of offensive play calling? Is there, do you have any opinion on who should be doing the play calling or what should be happening going forward? That's one of the most under talked about things with the Giants. I agree with you. Like, we sit here and we talk about the GM and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what are they going to do to fix the offense? You know, they, who are they going to bring in? What is it, what's the scheme going to look like? What's the approach there? I mean, that's going to be a big thing. But baby steps, because you need the general manager first, right? And the general manager should be part of that conversation. So we'll get there, I guess. What do you, what do you, who do you think the offense should be featuring? Are we, are we featuring a running game in Saquon? Are we trying to develop uh, the quarterback position? Obviously, we've had you know receivers brought in who were just injured for whatever reason. I'm on the mindset that you run the ball, you get a um, you know get a lot of good work out of the tight end position, and then you you strike plays down the field with talented receivers, right? What do you what do you think needs to be the feature of this offense? Do you think we can put it all on our quarterback and go down there and, and win us games? It's real, you know what. <laughs> It's such a loaded question. It's so hard to say. <laughs> who's who's the, who's the new GM, right? Yeah. Is Saquon part of the long-term plan? He's only signed for one more year and a 50-year option. Who's the quarterback? Do they stick with Daniel Jones? He has one more year. So unless I, you know like wh- who those pieces are, and I think I honestly think that whoever comes in can have like free reign on it. They have the, they'll have the flexibility after this year to build their offense any way they want uh, because, you know, the quarterback position is something that is to be determined. Let's assume that Daniel Jones is the guy. Let's assume that Joe Judge comes out. He's obviously he's got another year. Uh, we don't know who the GM is, whatever. It doesn't matter. Let's say, let's assume that Daniel Jones is the guy. My question really is, have you seen enough from him? Can we put this offense on his shoulders and say, hey, drive us down the field and get us into the playoffs? Yeah, I think you need to build a lineup and uh, the running game around him. He's not yeah. – I don't – I mean, I think that's the one thing we know about Daniel Jones is I still think he could be good, but I, I, he's not the guy that's just going to take you and carry the team and, and, you know, put you on his shoulders at all times. Uh, so I, I do think if Daniel Jones is the guy, you have to concentrate on building up that run game. Uh, and this way you can – you know, he could thrive off play action and use his legs in in conjunction with that run game. I think that would be a big part of the equation to me. Okay. One more before we get you out of here. Um, Aziz Ojolari, you know, looking at an opportunity to put up 10 sacks in his first year. I think it's tremendous. Um, what are your looking back on the season that he's had? What were your expectations coming in of him as a young guy? And, and how do you think he's fared? I think he's had a good, solid year. I mean, I, I you don't sit there every game and be like, this guy's a superstar, but he's certainly proven 
he's a good player and there's room for growth. And I think that's the important thing here is you say, okay, we know we have a good player. Now that the deal is we have to make it so that uh, we can take it, you know, he can get to that next level. Like what is it going to take for him to step it up even more and become a more consistent player, right? I think that's what you need from him at this point. If he can become a more consistent player, you'll have a really, really high end player. And, uh, you just you like his approach. You, there's, there's not much to say negative. I mean, you like everything he's done this year. His production is good. His approach is good. His work ethic and everybody you talk to is good. Uh, so, I mean, you feel good about these Ojolari this year. And uh, it's one of the few things you say, okay, we have a guy. We could plug in at outside linebacker, edge rusher, whatever you want to call it. And uh, we have a player there for uh, a long time to come. All right. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate your time as always. And for all the work that you put into covering the Giants on a, on a daily basis, I understand how difficult that is. And so I, I really appreciate it. So um, enjoy the game. Happy New Year. Make sure you get some rest. Hydrate. <laughs> we will, uh, I, will, we'll I will. I'm actually walking into the stadium right now. And it's flurry awesome. pretty good. So. It feels like <laughs> January football here in Chicago. Uh, don't expect many points. <laughs> awesome. Have a good New Year, man. Thank you. Happy New Year to you, too. New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks. Welcome back to New York Game Day. Anita Marks, as the gentleman said, Matthias Kiwanuka and Mike Tannenbaum joining us now at the top of the 10 a.m. hour. Mike, happy, happy holidays. Happy New Year to you and your family. You too, guys. Great to be with you. Hope you guys are yeah. happy and healthy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Happy New Year. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. This portion of the show brought to you by Bud Light for the fans on game day. Uh, whenever Mike comes in, I like to kind of take a tour around the week that was and talk about some of the hot topics coming into today's game and probably none bigger, gentlemen, than the new COVID protocols go from 10 days to five days, which now... We're waiting to see today Colts trying to, you know, of course, get into the, the postseason and, 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 you know, have a, a better a better uh, seed in the postseason. Waiting on word whether Carson Wentz does uh, test negative so that he can play. The old protocol, he would not have been able to. So, and there's a number of, of, of players around the league on the defensive side of the, well, the ball as well as the offensive side of the ball, pretty significant players that now are going to be able to suit up and play. So, Mike... Uh, your thoughts on the NFL changing the protocol rules? I know the NFLPA was really big and in, in instrumental in, in making this happen. Yeah, I think the key thing on this is uh, everything going back over a year is jointly agreed upon protocols with the NFLPA. And, you know, Kiwi, you know this better than anybody. Like to try to get the Players Association involved is really important, not only from a political standpoint, but from a functional standpoint. And, I, you know, when you talk to people around the league, not all players see this issue the same way and just to be candid uh, imagine if you're the minnesota vikings right you you give that record-setting deal to kirk cousins he doesn't get vaccinated and again people can make their own decision get vaccinated or not i'm a big data science facts person you know i've been boosted i've had the vac- vaccine because science and the cdc said it's safe and you give this guy 90 million dollars and you got a chance to be in the playoffs and now he's out Gosh, that is a very, very, very tough pill to swallow. So I think generally the league and the union have done an amazing job to get through a very insidious, highly contagious virus. But, boy, I got to tell you, like, you talk to a couple teams around the league. Could you imagine if your star players um, weren't vaccinated? I mean, that's a real tough pill to swallow. Yeah, it's definitely It's definitely a tough pill to swallow in terms of um, the fact that there are different rules for being vaccinated and not being vaccinated. And that's that's one thing we can talk about your your stance on 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 what it is and to be vaccinated and whether or not players should be treated differently. But the facts are the fact. Okay, so the NFLPA and the, the league agree that these are the rules that we have to go by. I said earlier, like not enough credit is being given to these coaches and to the players because we're living in a time where at any moment somebody could become unavailable. These are things that other coaches historically have just not had to have to deal with on a regular basis, like trying to game plan or just even to practice plan 
and then showing up in the morning and finding out that multiple players have tested positive for COVID and they're not going to be at practice. Like that would have driven some old time coaches insane, you know? So um, I think, I think a lot of credit has to be, to be given to them. I don't, I'm on, I'm on the stance. I, I got my, my vaccine, you know, um, that's just my personal preference. I don't believe that you force it on somebody, but I do think that you follow the science. If somebody's asking me for, for a recommendation or for my opinion, follow the science. Science says take the vaccine, get vaccine, get vaccinated. You protect not just yourself from the harshness of the symptoms. Yes, I get it. You're not going to stop yourself from getting COVID, but it won't be so detrimental if you do get it and you you'll stop help to decrease the spread. So why not get it if the science says it's safe? Um, that being said, it, there's just not enough credit being given to the guys who are credited with trying to put together a game plan who week after week have to walk into the building and be told, oh yeah, your star player is not available. That, to me, it's just, you know, my hat goes off to them because this is a different era that we're living in. Guys, another big storyline tonight, and and that is... Uh... Ben Ro- or really Monday, sorry, and that is Ben Roethlisberger and the Pittsburgh Steelers going up against the Cleveland Browns. This very well, and and everything that I'm reading and I'm hearing is this will be Ben Roethlisberger's last game at Heinz Field. I personally feel that he, I felt like he should have retired last year with Pouncey. That was supposed to be the game plan, but hey, obviously, he, he, yes, he he did. He just didn't announce it. Right. So, <laughs> I, 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 you know. I, I, Adam Schefter has sources. I, 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 have, I have a remote and I, I have a pair of eyes. Uh, he's an all-time great. He is. He's a great player. He's got a Hall of Fame. But just watch the tape. I mean, come on. It was over two years ago. But here, here's, the, here's the thing. It's, it's football, right? So when people ask me all the time, they're like, do you do you miss playing for the Giants? I'm like, yeah, I miss playing for the Giants. But you also got to understand, like, I had a football season every year from, like, 92 until 2015. It's not – it wasn't just those last nine years that I missed. Like, it's it's your entire life. Like, there was a football season for me to look forward to every single year. So when when that goes away, you it, it's, it's a difficult thing. So for me, when I look at guys who are still playing, I'm like, yeah, I get it. You know what I mean? If, if, if you're still able to contribute at any level, I understand – why you don't want to walk away from the game and I completely understand why he doesn't want to walk away from it but uh, let's be you're right though like it has not worked out for him um and it, it doesn't look good on film and and by the way Mike I understand what Adam Schefter's reporting but everybody can change their mind and I think it's it's evident that you know Ben Roethlisberger I'm sure he would like to have a storied career uh where Benjamin Button is excelling in Tampa but that's not the case <laughs> for him but nonetheless where I wanted to go with this is you know, Ben Roethlisberger, Eli Manning, and Philip Rivers, the three of them will forever be tied in, in a discussion in regard to, like, who has the better career out of the three. Obviously, uh, Ben Roethlisberger, the number of Super Bowls, of course, that he won for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and, and as well as Eli Manning, I think Philip Rivers kind of gets the short end of the stick because he never won a Super Bowl for the Chargers. But, Mike, let, let's start with you. If you had to rank Ben Roethlisberger, Eli Manning, Philip Rivers, in what order would you rank their careers? Well, that's a great question. I mean, that's a great discussion. Probably Eli, Ben, Philip in that order, but they all had great careers. Um, it's a, it's a really interesting discussion. And going back to Kiwi's point, like you know, Ben's an all time great in terms of <clears throat> how well he's played for so long. Um, but you're only put on this plan with so many hits to your body, and the way he played early in his career. And I'm saying this out of admiration. You know, when we were at the Jets, we couldn't tackle the guy. You know. Some of the coaching points yes. in the game was to tackle the ball because you you couldn't tackle him. Mm-hmm. Um, he just wore down. I mean, your body can only take so many hits. But if you go back to his prime, he was a great player. But I would still take Eli over him. But at least for me, guys, like that's really close. Kiwi, yeah. I, I mean, just to 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 touch on what he said, like. I was tasked with hitting him. I, I hit him. Like he is a big, sturdy guy who could who could take the hits and just stand back up as though nothing happened. It's like like me and in, in my best, you know, running as fast as I could to hit him full speed, and for him to just get up and you know, pat you on the back and just move on. It's like I know that that hurt. Come on, but you know what I mean. Like like he would just continue to to stand in that pocket like week in week out, and he was absorbing the hits. He wasn't the quickest getting the ball out of his hands. You know, some guys it's like you you can't get to him. Peyton, you just couldn't get to him. Drew Brees, you couldn't get to him because the ball was going to come out immediately. Like he would hold on to the ball and he would deliver that ball knowing that he was he was going to get hit. So 
Um, I, the order would be the same. Um, Eli, Ben, and then and then Philip. I think um, championships have a lot to do with it. I think um, you know what you've been able to accomplish um, with less in terms of, of pieces around you has has a lot to do with it. But um, I just I just think that that out of those three, Eli's had the, the the most stellar career. But Ben is close. New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.